There are over 7.9 billion people on the planet, an orbital body that moves around the sun at a speed of 66,660 miles per hour. On any given day, there are so many human actions as we all go about our individual lives. Is there a number to capture a snapshot of what's happening in any given moment? Or is it best to focus on a handful of stories at a time? Charlottesville Community Engagement chooses the latter and seeks to make sense of some of the activity across an increasingly expanded geographic space. I'm the host, Sean Tubbs. On today's fast-moving program, area transportation officials learn about how a mobile app is seeking to make using transit in Dallas easier and more cost-effective. A new climate change report has been published by the IPCC, Charlottesville announces a campaign to increase energy efficiency and save water in public buildings, and the Virginia General Assembly convenes to begin finalization of the budget and consider suspension of Virginia's gas tax for three months. In today's first Patreon-fueled public service announcement, the Charlottesville area tree stewards are preparing to hold their first in-person tree sale since 2019. On April 9th, this Saturday, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., Charlottesville area tree stewards will open up their tree nursery at the Fontaine Research Park and will sell saplings of native trees, some of which are hard to find from commercial sources. The cost will be between $5 and $15. There will be large trees from birch to sycamore, smaller trees from black gum to witch hazel, and shrubbery. Visit charlottesvilletreestewards.org to learn more. The House will come to order. Members, please take your seats. Sergeant at arms. The senators will please take their seats. Those persons not entitled to the privileges of the floor will please retire to the gallery. Both houses of the Virginia General Assembly met very briefly in special session yesterday to complete work begun earlier this year. Governor Glenn Youngkin issued a proclamation in late March convening the session, as read by the clerks of both the House of Delegates and the Senate. In accordance with the provisions of Article 4, Section 6, and Article 5, and Article 5, Section 5 of the Constitution of Virginia, and the powers thereby vested in the governor to call a special session of the General Assembly. I, I Glenn, Glenn Youngkin, Governor, governor of Virginia. Virginia, do hereby summon the members of the Senate and the House of Delegates constituting the General Assembly of Virginia to meet in special session committing the fourth day of April 2022 for the, for the purpose of the completion of the 2023-2024 biennial budget. Both the House of Delegates and Senate adopted bills to establish the rules for the special session. Delegate Terry Kilgore explains House Joint Resolution 6001. Basically, it allows us to uh, consider House Bill 29 and 30 and any and any other uh, conference reports that were continued, still ongoing, uh, as we uh, adjourn signing diet at the 2022 uh, regular uh, session. Also, it would allow uh, legislation as may be communicated from the governor. Some senators objected to the governor's ability suggest legislation. Senator Scott Suravel introduced an amendment to strip that ability away. It's up to us to decide what we want to consider in special sessions, not the governor. And I think that's been the prerogative of our chambers forever. And I think it's important that we protect that prerogative, not only for this session, but in the future. Suravel later withdrew his request. Memorials and commendations are allowed, as well as confirmation of judges. 
Any legislation sent down to the legislature from the executive branch would need to go through the committee process in both chambers. So far, Governor Yunkin has introduced one bill that would eliminate the statewide gas tax from May 1st to July 31st, as well as other provisions. This has been referred to the House Finance Committee. The Virginia Senate received the resolution from the House of Delegates, as confirmed by the Lieutenant Governor, Winsome Earl Sears. Senator Sasslaw, the senior senator from Fairfax County, is ordered to inform the House of Delegates that the Senate is duly organized and ready to proceed to business. Budget conferees met immediately after the meetings yesterday. Delegate Barry Knight gave an update from the House of Delegates perspective. Budget negotiations are ongoing. We are talking to them a little bit back and forth. They're kind of taking their time and uh, we're ready to meet anytime that they are. Both houses can reconvene by giving 48 hours notice. Stay tuned. A new report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change indicates that production of greenhouse gas emissions across planet Earth were at their highest levels in recorded history over the last decade, but suggests the rate may be slowing. Here's a section from the press release to mark the approval yesterday of an IPCC working group's report called Climate Change 2022, Mitigation of Climate Change. Without immediate and deep emissions reductions across all sectors, limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius is beyond reach. The report states an 85% drop in the costs of solar and wind energy, as well as a push in many countries for laws and policies to reduce energy efficiency, limit deforestation, and create new forms of renewable energy. The report encourages creation of compact, walkable cities, the transition to electric fleets for public transportation, and further development of technologies to capture carbon from the atmosphere and store it. According to the release, the IPCC's overall strategy is to reduce warming to 1.5 degrees of Celsius, and that requires the greenhouse gas emissions worldwide to peak before 2025 and to have them reduced by 43% by 2030. What are local governments doing? Charlottesville City Council will have a work session on April 18th to discuss efforts by city staff toward a climate action plan. This morning, the city announced the hiring of a company to review over 40 public buildings to see how energy and water use can be reduced. CMTA Energy Solutions will perform the audit, which includes city schools. Here's a section from the news release that went out this morning. The technical energy audits currently underway are part of the first phase of an energy-saving performance contract process that aligns directly with fulfilling the city of Charlottesville's commitment to climate action and reducing its greenhouse gas emissions. The city's public buildings cover an area of 1.7 million square feet. The audit will inform plans to upgrade heating, ventilation and air conditioning systems, upgrade lighting, and install new plumbing. Meanwhile, in Albemarle County, the Board of Supervisors adopted a climate action plan on October 7, 2020. The Facilities and Environmental Services Department releases a quarterly report with updates on steps Albemarle is taking to reduce its contribution to greenhouse gas emission. Here's some highlights from the latest report. The grounds crew that takes care of county buildings are switching to all electric tools and vehicles. 
Albemarle will launch an environmental stewardship hub online to collect county resources for community members on county programs to promote biodiversity, clean water, climate action, and reduced waste. This should happen around Earth Day or April 22nd. Solar-powered lights have been installed at electric vehicle charging stations at the McIntyre Road County Office Building. And county staff in the Environmental Services Division have developed a mapping resource to assist property owners with flooding issues, sinkholes, poor water quality, and more. There's a whole article in the report about how collecting this information in one place can identify causes to specific problems, such as blocked drainage pipes. The University of Virginia's reductions emissions plans are documented in the 2020 to 2030 UVA Sustainability Plan. The UVA Sustainability's office report to the Board of Visitors is available for review in the March meeting packet for the Buildings and Grounds Committee. Here are some examples. Student programs include the Zero Waste Ambassadors Program, which seeks to increase composting across UVA grounds. There's a Seaville Solar Project, as well as something called the Shut the Sash Challenge. A professor, Ben Logelli, has a course this spring called Science, Technology, and Contemporary Issues, Designing for a Sustainable World, and that will seek to direct further ways UVA can reach its goals. Other recent courses include Professor Kate Stevenson's Writing About Food Justice, as well as other courses called Designing a Carbon-Neutral Future, Sustainability Leadership from the Grounds Up, and Right Climate. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon Field shout-out, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance wants wildlife and nature photographers to enter their first-ever photography contest. They want high-resolution photos related to the Rivanna watershed, and the winning entries will be displayed at the 2022 Riverfest celebration on May 1st. The two categories are 16 and under and those over the age of 17. Anyone can send in two entries, and the work might be used to supplement Rivanna Conservation Alliance publications. For more information on the contest, visit rivanna-river.org. One more segment today, and it's looking afar to another area, Dallas. The Jefferson Area Regional Transit Partnership was created a few years ago to serve as a clearinghouse to improve the efficiency of public transit in a community with multiple service providers. At their most recent meeting on March 24th, they learned about how Dallas Area Rapid Transit has benefited from having an office innovation. Here's Greg Ellsborg, who has been Chief Innovation Officer for DART since 2019. Since that time, the Office of Innovation has focused on a few areas. One was to, to try and drive a culture of innovation across the agency and pull ideas from our employees and from communities around us. Um, and that, that's been a, a, an exciting activity set. But another area has been the continued development and scalability of a mobile uh, trip planning and management application that we have for our transit riders. Dallas Area Rapid Transit covers 760 square miles, including Dallas and 12 other cities. On-demand service is available in a third of the service area. Part of their funding comes through a one-cent sales tax, an idea that has been floated in this community but has not been authorized by the General Assembly. 
The DART system includes light rail and community rail, as well as a large bus fleet. The first mobile application was created in 2013 to help make it easier for people to travel across multiple transit systems. There is a regional fare. So I can pay to travel across the entire region and pay a, um, a reduced fare to travel through the commuter rail links and then get from point to point in Fort Worth, as well as in Denton County in the north, as well as in Dart's 13 cities. To unite it all, Dart built the first mobile app in 2013. There have been several iterations of the GoPass mobility platform since then to add more capabilities. In 2018, they added a feature to allow riders to transfer cash to their mobile phones at local retailers. So if I'm an individual that doesn't have a debit card or a credit card, but I'd like to use the mobile app, then I could go and, um, you know, I could use trip planning in the app and some of the other features, but to buy tickets, I could go and load cash at a retailer. They would scan a barcode on the app, and then this loads the funds into the app directly. So I could go and use that from a digital wallet to pay. In 2018, Dart also introduced a fare capping system where an individual user will no longer be charged after they paid a certain amount. The app tracks this information. And there's a really nice tracker inside the app that shows you how much you've spent to get towards that fair cap total. The next year, Dart introduced multimodal microtransit to the system, which introduced on-demand services that can be used in conjunction with fixed routes. Soon, there will be an expansion of this feature with a new partner. We have a partnership that we're, um, we're working on with Uber so that we can directly book Uber rides as an on-demand mode through our app without having to have an Uber account or pay for your ticket through Uber. You do it directly through our app. And that will be an industry first when that comes out. Ellsborg said DART is seeking to add other transit agencies so that there can continue to be more investment into the platform. Currently, they are running the mobile app functions for over 50 cities, including Charlotte, North Carolina. One of the agencies that has signed on is the one for Tulsa, Oklahoma, which until recently was run by Jaunt director Ted Reek. I kind of call this a Swiss Army knife for mobile apps. And uh, I think uh, as we look for ways to bring our region together on transit, uh, a mobile app like this could be uh, a starting point. The platform also has connections to e-scooter services as well as bike sharing programs. To learn more about the app and how it might be applied in this area, view the March meeting on YouTube. Four people have viewed that meeting so far. Why not give it a watch on YouTube yourself and demonstrate the power of the CCE bump? And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for April 5th, 2022. Uh, we're still moving as fast as we were at the beginning of this program, but we are moving to the end of this one. This is the end part where I improvise, telling you all about how you can support this program by subscribing through Substack, by making a contribution through Patreon. Let me explain, if you donate through Patreon, you're really donating to the overall Town Crier production portfolio of possibilities. Uh, in addition to Charlottesville community engagement, there's also Information Charlottesville, which sort of serves as an archive of this program. There's also the Charlottesville Podcasting Network, which is currently still waiting for me to uh, begin to return programming to that, but that's coming in the near future. There's other stuff as well, but of course, you can also subscribe through Substack. Currently, it only goes to me, the only employee of Town Crier Productions, but in the future, I am hopeful that by 
by subscribing through Patreon, we can begin to think about the future where I can hire people to also help bring you information about this community. That's the whole point of this venture and has been now since two years ago when I launched it with the Charlottesville Quarantine Report. But enough about me. Just know that I'll be back in the near future with another installment of the program. Hopefully out tomorrow morning. Could be Thursday. Still not quite sure. Still trying to balance all of this. But of course, I do know that I really am grateful to the hundreds of people who have subscribed so far. Please share this on with somebody else. If you are not able to subscribe financially, that is totally understood. Please know that this is a community effort supported by the community. And of course, uh, spreading the word is something you could do to help make sure more people hear about things like climate change, like what's happening with the General Assembly, what's happening with transit. This is where you're going to find that information as I continue each and every day to celebrate my orbits by orbiting all through these things to bring you Charlottesville Community Engagement. I'm Sean Tubbs. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned so you can stay informed and goodbye. Bye.